Welcome to the Creepy Cast Show, where we talk about true crime and paranormal cases. I'm Alex. And I'm Lucho. And today, we're going to start with our first episode, True Crime, about Super Miranda. Super? Yeah, like... Why? Well, I'll tell you that later in the story. Okay. But should we address the title, why we're called the Creepy Cat? Your version or my version? I mean... I, we can start with my version. Okay. So, my version is that my cat, which is now our cat, mine and Lucho's, some time ago, more than 10 years ago, I think 12 years ago or something like that, uh, she had this very weird episode, which I still don't know how to explain to this day. And basically, uh, where I was living at the time with my grandparents in my house, there was like the stairs and they were going up this way like going straight and then they were making a left so where they were changing directions so to speak there was this kind of space right like this small area and she was somewhere behind the couch and as I entered holding a lot of stuff um, she came out from behind the couch and she was looking up the stairs and I have to mention that at the time, nobody was living on like the first level. Uh, it was just the ground floor, right? So I didn't know what she was looking at. I left all the stuff. I just kept my phone and I, I was trying to, to see maybe there's something, maybe another cat like got inside or whatever. I, I couldn't imagine what it could have possibly be. So uh, I went up the stairs and she was coming slowly behind me. But you know, like when cats, they get very scared. You know, mm -hmm. that like they go low, low to the ground and also the hairs and the tail. The tail was like super fluffy, right? And the hairs on her back, like in the middle were up. So she was very scared. Mm -hmm. So I kept on going up. I started recording my phone. I think I might still have that recording somewhere. I don't know, from like a backup or something. I'm not sure. And... um I, I was recording like the teen air. There was nothing, like literally nothing. And she kept like, she was getting more and more scared. And she stopped in the middle where the stairs, as I said, like they changed direction. And I went up to the top of the stairs. And when I reached the top of the stairs, uh, it was like nothing. <laughs> but for her, it was like I'm mental for doing it. And I was waving my, my hands, like my hand in the air, recording at the same time. There was literally nothing. She started hissing and, you know, going on the side. And she was like very, very aggressive with something. So that's that. I don't know. But she was, was she looking at, at a specific point? Yeah, so. like in the top of the stairs, they don't have anything besides the door. And she was looking like at the door. But she, from the moment I entered, she was looking at a lower level of the stairs. And she kept like looking up, like ascending, like there was something, someone going up. And she was keeping her eyes on that thing. Whatever. So she was following something. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. That Creepy. was that was scary. Yeah. I, I know because I've told you this story long ago. And I know your question was like, how did you continue like sleeping there? Well, I don't know, but I did. Yeah, I would never. I would be like out. <laughs> yeah, no. I mean, we'll get into my creepy stories at some point. Uh, not right now, but yeah, this is my version for the title. Well, for me, it's more like a day-to-day -day thing. <laughs> because every time I wake up in the morning, I have this creepy cat on top of my chest staring at me. You know, same cat, same cat, same cat. Yeah, <laughs> it's the same cat, but she stares at me and she's like super close to my face with her eyes open, looking at me. So she's yeah. really creepy. Yeah. Like every time I open my eyes, she's there. She's like, feed me, human. Feed yeah, yeah. Me, feed me. Yeah. Well, and also, I think, like, generally speaking, uh it's the fact that animals in general like the title is like perfect because animals in general can sense things that we don't right like they see things we don't oh yeah um when i was like a teenager i had a, i had this dog who yeah. was crying towards the living room in my parents house yeah which is in the lower level of mm -hmm. the house like and, ground floor yeah but it was 2 a.m and there was nobody there so. And even though we were up upstairs in the first floor calling the dog, the dog was staring at the window and crying. Maybe there was somebody in the garden or something. 
No, he was staring inside. So wait, the dog was outside? The dog was outside. And oh the my. dog was looking towards the house inside. Maybe he wanted inside. On, in the living room. You never know, I mean. We, you never know, but that dog was creepy. Yeah, it, it does sound creepy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Anyway, anyway, I think we should start with our first story, which is a true crime. So me and Lucio, we've been talking and we decided that we'll have one week with an episode of true crime. And the following week will be about a paranormal case. And you know, so on and like and so forth. And today we were trying to figure out like a very good story that matches the boat, just you know, to start strong. <laughs> If you can name it strong, like disturbing strong, this is very strong. And because it's a very, very bad story, like it can give you a bit of nightmares. I mean, not nightmares, but You might have second thoughts going outside or using social media or things like that. What are you talking about? <laughs> the Super Miranda story. Yeah. Okay. So we have to point out, I have to point out that Lucho doesn't know the story. So it's the first time he hears it. Uh, I've tried my best source-wise. Um, and we should also point out the sources we used. And this is Murderpedia. Mirror, UK, Daily Mail, UK, ADN, Reddit, and a bit of Wikipedia because it won't hurt anybody. <laughs> so the title, The Craigslist Serial Killer, aka Super Miranda, I think you can get a... Well, why is she, is she super? I told you, you have to find out. Do you want to find out? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> So, our story starts with a young Miranda, as young as three years old. She was the youngest daughter of the Dean family from the North Pole, Alaska. So, that, so this far from here, far, far. Takes place in Alaska. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. North Pole, where Santa is. Yeah, where if you kill somebody, nobody sees because there's... So little people. Really? I, I really don't know much about Me neither. Yeah. <laughs> no, because like, anyway, wait. No, in my mind, if it's very desolated. I know there's this, the, there's this town where all the village lives in one building and everything happens in one building. And they have like a subway, a tunnel uh -huh. underground that crosses underneath the building. And they have shops in the building. Everything, all the, all the town is inside of the building. I wouldn't. That must be sad. I wouldn't be able to. But if if it's that cold, I guess. Yeah, but why? I just... can't remember the name of the town though. Mm. I saw Interesting. It this yeah. week. Yeah. Anyway, Miranda was not even three years old when her aunt and uncle Melissa and Richard Fernandez moved into the same neighborhood very close to them, like a few houses away. It became customary for Miranda to spend her weekends at her aunt and uncle's house, and it is worth mentioning that Uncle Rick, as he was referred to by family members, was actually the one encouraging the sleepovers. Doesn't that raise any questions? Too many flags, red flags. <laughs> yeah. Because, like, why would an uncle... I mean, I don't know about you, but my relationship with uncles and aunts is, like, you know... I was never... When I was a, a kid, I was... A bit friendly, but, like, more polite. Like, I'm not invested in it, you know? Like, to go for sleepovers there. Yeah, it's kind stuff. of weird, because when I was a kid, I never went for a sleepover to... Only to my cousins. Yeah. But they were kids. Yeah, no, for me, it was just, like, one friend from like primary school I think you call it like I was 10 years old and it was the only person I slept at like my mom wasn't allowing me which you'll see really yeah I was sleeping over my friends always no I wasn't allowed to I did once at another classmate another I can't remember her name anyway but that was like an isolated case so yeah 
I had only one designated friend I was allowed to sleep at because my my parents, my mom was close to her mom, but that was it. Anyway, anyway. So Miranda, after a while, after starting to sleep over at this Uncle Rick, she starts complaining and more and more and more often, like about pain and discomfort in her private parts. How old was she? And we're talking again, and again, keep in mind the age, because it's crucial. A kid that's not like even, not even three years old. So she's not even three, she's two years and something. Wow. Yeah. Three years, and she yeah. was complaining about her yeah. private areas. Yeah. So I mean, I kept a lot of the details out, and I tried to make it like as, I don't know normal as possible but nothing about it is normal but the details because they're like very intense like the things she's been through and what that man did this uncle you have no idea but you can get a like a bit of I don't know insight from the judges and everybody that was involved with mm -hmm. the case mm -hmm. so her complaints later on turn out to be the result of the sexual abuse on several occasions by her uncle. The prosecutor said that she had been, quote, sodomized in every way imaginable. Jesus. Yeah. So it was bad, like very bad. This was one of the most physically extreme cases of abuse the trial judge had ever seen. And what was even shocking was that all of this happened to a girl that, quote from the judge, was hardly more than a baby. So everybody was shocked. They never heard of something so intense. And it happened to a baby, basically. Do, do you understand what I'm talking about? Yeah, that's intense. It is. And anyway... Um, so obviously this shook the family, they were devastated, but also it was even harder for them to process everything as they had to overcome a similar violation in the past. So I don't know to what extent that was or who committed it. It does not say. It only says it happened in the generations of their extended family. So they were familiar with this kind of act, you know, like. So, but I don't know who, like how close that family member was that did it in the past, but they they were no strangers to it, so they were they knew about it. That says a lot about the family, though. I don't know. I mean, yes and no, because like the mom seemed to be legit invested, so was the dad until a point, but the girl, like Miranda, just boy, just wait for it. So anyway. Uh, now it was happening again, right? But to their own daughter. And we also know that in Richard Fernandez's personal belongings, the uncle, investigators found pornography in basically a manual called Fun with My Sister's Kids. I'm not making this up. Was that the actual name of the manual? Yeah. Ian, wait for it. So first things first. Jeez. Like, honestly, like, how is that a book? Uh... Clearly. Like, how are you... I mean, you can be messed up in several ways and you can write whatever you want in your, you know, time, private space and time. But who published that? Was it a published book? It was, yeah. Or was it like a manuscript? No, like a, a no, it was published. Book? Like, he purchased that from someplace. Ah. He had a, like a book, like a proper book, a manual. But he didn't write it. No, he ah. had it. Oh, yeah. wow. You, how, yeah, that's wh that's what I'm talking about. So it's like <laughs> you go to the, I don't know, to the bookstore and you get, wait, fun with my sister's kids. I don't know, five pounds. What? <laughs> I really don't know. Like, I told you it's like so many questions. Jesus. I don't know what to say. Yeah, oh, I understand. I had the same reaction when I first uh, saw this, honestly. Anyway, so basically the book, to give you a bit more details, uh, was encouraging uncles, fathers, and even grandfathers to engage in unclassified felony intercourse with their young family members, like nieces, daughters, and granddaughters. 
And this is according to a prosecutor's description of it from the court records. So that was the the book. That was the... Wait, but uh, what year are we talking about? Uh, when this happened, so she was like, if she, uh, I'm bad at math, so you do the math. If she was 19 in 2014, and this happened when she was three years old? <laughs> Pause. <laughs> In 2000, she was, uh, I think, five. Uh-huh. Oh, she's young. Oh, yeah, of course, she's very young. So what year was it? So she was three. three almost three. So 98. It was like 90, yeah. 97. 97. Yeah, so that book was a thing in 97, apparently. 97? Yeah. Wow, I was Alaska. I was a kid. Alaska. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was too. Anyway, so the uncle apparently pleaded no contest, which honestly I had no clue about it until now, but apparently it means that it allowed him to avoid trial in due time, but without actually admitting he'd actually done anything wrong. How is that a thing? So, so wait... Basically, you just get the punishment, but you don't admit to the crime. Yeah. Is that that is that true? Can you do that? Well, he did it. Oh. Yeah. It's very weird. Because how, like, you say I did it, I say uh, I didn't, but I will agree to do the time without agreeing. I mean, I'm not any expert in law. I have no no clue about law. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> that doesn't sound... I, it doesn't sound right. And I thought I did know about law, but clearly I don't because I've never heard of this, like, honestly. Anyway, so most of Miranda's family members pleaded for the toughest sentence possible for this guy, obviously. But they also indicated they had forgiven him despite the devastation he had caused. How can you forgive him? I have no clue. I, I've never been confronting these kind of issues. No, I, I, I personally can't even begin to imagine that that's like a possibility. Like, imagine what he did to the kid and like her life from that moment onwards. Like, yeah, that's right. It changes, no? It changes yes, you. Yes, completely. Uh, an older member of the family asked for a medium sentence as long as Fernandez was to successfully complete a sex offender treatment. The judge, on the other hand, was a bit more rational, I would say, and sentenced Fernandez to 19 years in jail. But yet, I don't know if that's enough. But still better than just following a treatment. Like, how is that a punishment, you know? After all of this, the family, meaning Miranda, her mom Elizabeth, her dad Sonny, And sister Ashley moved a few hundred miles south to the Wasilla, or Wasilla, I think it's pronounced, and Palmer area of Alaska. And life seemed to be getting back to normal for them. The two sisters were attending local schools and they were basically trying to get their lives back. And things seemed to be going the right way, but in reality, the trauma never left. So all this time, until she was 12 years old, Miranda was deeply suffering on the inside. At 12 years old, everything changes again in the worst possible way. So everything was piling up for her. Yeah, that makes sense because the one with treatment should have been her. Yeah, but wait, I'm getting there. So she started at first to run away from home and she was preyed upon a Satanist only known as Forrest, who was 25 years old. There's not much said about him. I couldn't find anything besides this, so... He's a Satanist, like a cult leader, mm -hmm. satanic cult leader, and he's 25, and I think Forrest is a nickname, I don't know. But if it is to be believed, because that's the intriguing part with the case. Okay. Yeah. So she went... No, 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 you can't imagine. So she keeps running away from home, and once, when she came home one day, she went to her mom and told her that this Forrest guy owns her. The mom went ahead asking, like, what are you talking about? What do you mean he owns you? To which Miranda replied that he simply owns her and she has to do whatever he tells her to do. 
She also said that Forrest branded her, like he marked her with a swastika on the back of her neck and that he also uh, wrote his name on her tie. Like How? Here. Like a tattoo or? I guess, or I don't know. Oh, wow. But the thing is, what I, it's unclear because you see, I mean, no, I, I, won't, I won't spoil the story. I'll keep <laughs> it for later. Things get even more upsetting when she tells her mom she was out prostituting from the age of 12 and that Forrest was her ruler. So he was basically a pimp. Satanist pimp. That's basically what she says, yeah. So her life was a mess. I mean, I can't see how you recover after such traumatic experiences, you know. Like, I can't begin to imagine the strength you need to overcome something like that. I, I really don't know. Yeah, I mean, uh, clearly, and I'm no expert, she was traumatized. Yeah. And that makes, like, it's like a snowball. Yeah. It increases. And yeah. Also because she was the one who was supposed to receive a treatment, right? Yeah. To But I think overcome. she did. Ah. Okay. We're getting there, so it's worse. This is not the story. This is like a backstory. I'm just telling you who this super Miranda is. This oh is not the case. <laughs> oh my. Yeah. So <coughs> we know, like we now know she's a Satanist, right? She also, this keeps getting worse and worse, starts performing sex rituals, but not occasionally. So much as, quote, they would rule, the, uh, rule her world. Like, it's all about that. Do you understand? Like, what are we even talking about here? So she performs sexual uh, rituals so much that they rule her world. Yeah, I think she was clearly disturbed. I mean, traumatized. Yeah. So her dad confirms that she became addicted to heroin and that she claimed she got pregnant and she was forced to have a brutal home abortion by the satanic cult. By the pimp. I don't know. if he, I don't think he was like really a pimp. I, I mean, I don't think that was the main thing about him to categorize him. So I don't think so but the cult per se with however many members it had they forced her to have a, a very intense abortion like a brutal abortion at home i don't know which home but yeah did she survive the abortion yeah because the story keeps going to the main story that that's the main story we're going to talk about <laughs> so a family friend said that the parents got her into North Star Behavioral Center in Anchorage, trying to tackle her drug addiction and mental illness issues. And it seems she was in and out the institution throughout her teenage years. So the parents did try. So the, both of her parents really kept an eye on her and they did their best to help her out, right? Including this with the North Star Center. And I'm only saying this because in cases like this, the family does not really care usually, you know? It's like with all the famous serial killers and stuff, like they come from broken families, which at this point in time, her family isn't. Like they're all united, like stuck together, taking care of each other. Yeah, but if you think about it, um, the uncle broke the family and broke the girl. Yeah. Yeah. So she yeah, does come from a broken family. Yeah, but parents-wise, it's not. Where I what I was referring to as like a broken family is like when parents don't get along. One is an alcoholic. They're I don't know beating each other, things like that. They don't take care of their kids. But these parents weren't doing that. Like they were actually very invested in taking uh -huh. care of their kids because there were two, right? Okay. Ashley and Miranda. Okay. So obviously, yeah, as you said, this family was troubled too because of the uncle, but there's no room to blame the parents. They really seem to have tried, like, do their best. Family friends also said that they don't believe the system did enough to help her, which I believe this is actually common. Uh, not all institutions or staff care about the people that get in there, 
right? They're just doing their job and that's it. You're just a number, another number for them or something, you know? Yeah, mostly if they're public. Yeah. Then, while still under the influence of this forest Satanist guy, she gets pregnant again at 17 years old. She claimed that the dad was now dead, but Elizabeth, Miranda's mom, claimed that the dad could be basically anyone. So, you know, because if she was out prostituting, you never know, like... And she was also doing these sexual sexual rituals. exactly, yeah. So this period also coincides with the divorce of her parents, because they end up divorcing. And many believe that this played a major part in Miranda's behavior. So, like, when she just shut down completely and then went mental. So when... This was happening, she was underage. Yeah, she was 17 at this point. Oh. So she got pregnant. So she's 17, she gets pregnant, and she has all the troubles I mentioned so far. And then uh, her parents get a divorce, right? So, yeah. Her mom was living her own life. Her dad, Sonny, was a good guy, according to sources. But didn't matter that much because he moved to Texas. So basically, she found herself all alone, pregnant, with a very chaotic life. So, you know. Following the divorce, Elizabeth decides to send Miranda to live with another uncle, Arlene Fletcher and his wife, Laria, in North Carolina. So, I mean, it's a thing with uncles in this family. (laughs) But uh, I see they were, like, shipping the girl from one place to the other. I mean, I kind of understand, like, they've been doing their best to help her out, but things are so bad that they even get divorced. Like, you know, you can try and try, you love and love, but... And if you keep her with you and see that she has a bad entourage, like, in the area... I think it's for the best to send her someplace where there are, like, I don't know, there are bad people, but she doesn't know them yet, at least, you know, like, she can change a bit her surroundings. Yeah, Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. And so, despite all that was happening and all of her issues, Miranda seemed to be getting better, like she was doing well. There are wedding photos from the uncle in question, and she appears in them to be having a good time. So, she seems to recover somewhat. It was there, she met this, and I don't know about his name, Elite, like Elite, I think, Elite Barber. And he basically didn't stand a chance. According to Elizabeth, the mom, her daughter drew him right in the hands of Satanism. Like this dude met her, she was, you know, sealed deal. <laughs> so this is like very confusing for me because she seems to be doing fine. But then, I don't know, like, she's fine, and then she seems to be enjoying herself. Like, there's photos, like, proof with the wedding and something. I read that she had a photo with a horse, and she was petting the horse. Like, she was, you know, she seemed to be, like, in the photos, like, a normal girl, right? She was recovering. Yeah, but then now I wonder, like, was she really, or was she just, like, pretending? Because, like, if you are doing fine... And then you meet this dude and you get, just get him into Satanism. How were you doing? Fine. You, you get my point? But the dude didn't have anything to do with Satanism. No. No. Oh. Uh, so well, that's why I don't know what to say. Like, was she really doing fine? Yeah. It's confusing, you know? Yeah, probably not. Yeah. Miranda tells her mom that Elite likes Satanism, but she can't put him on the panel. That, I don't know what it means. Because apparently this forest guy, again him, won't let her. So I don't know what the panel is like to get him into the cult, I'm guessing. Maybe it's like the board, you know, like in model agencies, the main board. Yeah, but I don't see why she would want to get him on that, like, as you put it, in just, like, part of the cult. So I'm thinking maybe she's referring to that, like, she wanted him to be part of the cult, but this forest dude was against it. I don't know. Probably he was, like, Charles Manson. He mostly had girls, right, following him. I can't remember to be... I read so much about it, but I can't remember. No, there were dudes as well. I mean, yeah. Yeah, but it was mostly girls. I think so, yeah. And probably he was following these steps because Charles Manson is older than this. 
Yeah, I guess. So there you go. Yeah, might be. Yeah, because there are a lot of people like trying to replicate Charles Manson. I think there are still people doing so. No, I think I it was know. a recent case actually that like um, they they who was there was somebody arrested and they were saying like they were praising uh, Charles Manson for what he did. I can't remember where I read it, but it's like more recent, like twenty eighteen, nineteen, something like that. I'm sure there is, but I haven't heard about it anyway so several websites from what i read say that she basically started her life as a victim and to make it dramatic they say that she decided to turn the tables and become a murderer choosing victims of her own pam pam you didn't see that coming did you no (laughs) i don't know what to say actually yeah but well in the meantime the uncle was on and off in jail or out on parole but every single time he ended up violating his parole like people that were running the sex offender program would say that it was kind of impossible to treat him because he simply did not want to let go of his ways so he was like i want that material i want it i'll have it I won't repeat what that material is, but I think everybody gets it. Yeah, but that's what I was saying. I don't think that's something you can treat. Yeah, I guess, yeah. So in 2011, Fernandez faces a new case. This time, they found child pornography. So he was supposed to stay in jail, follow a sex offenders program. Like, the message is clear, right? He knows what he has to do, right? It's not like there's room for confusion, I would say. <laughs> like, it's the message is clear. Behave yourself. He is not behaving at all. So they find hundreds of images of child pornography on his computer after his probation officer seized and turned over his computer to Alaska State Troopers. And to end it once and for all with this uncle, He's scheduled for release in 2035, and he is to remain registered as a sex offender for the rest of his life. So now he's in jail. Still. How old is he now? I have no idea. Doesn't say. No, I didn't find anything. Mm. I mean, if I was to look for him separately, maybe, but again, the story is about Miranda. (laughs) So, you know. Uh, Anyway... Going back to our main story, and that is Miranda. We know that she was living a chaotic life, to say the least. She went through several mental health treatments, so she was trying to get better. She was bouncing from one house to another, either her mom's, dad's, or uncle's. A normal uncle, we we hope all, no? (laughs) Maybe not like (laughs) Uncle Rick. And she also got pregnant, but eventually she ends up in North Carolina, close to her mom, but living with the new uncle, as I told you. So it's just a recap. So we know where we're at, right? Mm -hmm. So she gave birth to her child, a daughter, which also goes through some rough stuff, but we'll get into that later. So Miranda seems to be at this point on the right path. I mean, given the circumstances, she's working at a grocery store as a cashier, taking care of her baby. So she, she seems to be doing well, right? But here's a gap from her doing fine, as I said, because this kind of like bothers me because she moves to Pennsylvania with Barbara, her husband. I still don't know like what happens, like how they met and all that. It's also like a small period, to be honest. But still, I would like to have know how she met the dude, you know. So this this husband, husband Eli, is is the same who went into Satanism. Yeah. Oh, so okay. she she meets him, she gets him into Satanism, then they get married. Oh, okay. But I I, I think it was like interesting to know how they met, but I, I couldn't find that out. I think it's more interesting to know how they got married by the Satanists or by any other church. I don't know about Because that. she was a Satanist. Maybe they just went to like, they do it in Vegas, you know, they, you don't need... <laughs> Only the legal ways. <laughs> Yeah, By the power sense. invested in me from married. I don't know. <laughs> I'm just saying. Anyway, so the two of them, they use Craigslist to lure a 42 years old man, an engineer, to his death. I understand that it was kind of like a sex ad. Some sources refer to it as companionship in exchange for money. 
But wait, the husband, apparently, he denied that his wife was a sex worker. So I don't know what happened with being a cashier. Anyway, he denied she was a sex worker and he said, quote, she met men that paid her for a delightful conversation. Maybe she was just uh, supplying her, her companionship for people who with, I don't know. That's a lot. How can you? No. How can you even believe the, the the husband was delusional? Like he imagine he's no. <laughs> you I can't imagine. No, he was delusional. Like she met him and she like straightforward got him into Satanism. And then she said, "Yeah, well, I'm placing basically sex ads on Craigslist and other platforms because I read that she she didn't do it only on Craigslist. The victim is from Craigslist, right? But no. she was posting on different." Um, websites so she wasn't posting like come on pay me five hundred dollars to talk with me what can you talk with her like she's a kid basically she's 19 she didn't even finish properly her her high school or whatever because either way she wasn't even attending and like what my what what is there to talk and either way it's like that's a lie so he just believed he was so gullible he literally believed that do you understand? Because to to even in jail, he says the same thing. Like that's what he says to the authorities, and he says it in interviews as the well. husband. Yes. So he's convinced that no, there was no sex ever. She was just talking. Probably he was delusional. As he well. was gullible and delusional and all that. Like honestly, who would believe that? So in this case, with what they did. Uh, she goes with her car to meet Troy LaFerrara. Do I pronounce it correctly? LaFerrara? I don't La know. Ferrara. It sounds, sounds more like Ferrari. Like LaFerrara. Or Italian. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. So she goes to meet this Troy. And um, he was like the unfortunate one cause to respond to the ad, right? But her husband, Eli, he's also in the car which Troy doesn't know, but he's in the back seat and he's hidden like under a, a blanket. So the husband is no delusional. He's just lying because he was an accomplice. No, but this is like a separate thing. So before he's basically saying that all the time, all the time she's been meeting with dudes, it was only for talk. But this time it was for a different reason. I will tell you the reason. Okay. So they met at the Susquehanna, I don't know, it's a very weird name, Valley Mall parking lot. They take their time and settle the payment for what Eli wants us to believe, a delightful conversation. And drove six miles to Sunbury, which is a small city located about 100 miles northwest of Philadelphia. I mean, location-wise, it's not much for us, like it doesn't mean much, but it might help listeners put it better in context, especially if they're from the States, you know, like they they might know, Yeah, I'm guessing. Yeah, yeah. The husband was hidden, so he was in underneath the blanket, and after the victim got into the vehicle, Miranda signaled Eli, who then jumped out and wrapped a cord around La Ferrara's neck. While he was being strangled, Miranda proceeded to stab him 20 times. 20 times. Wait, Can you but, imagine? Wait. So this was planned. They planned this. Yeah. But wait. Why? Wait. If they, they were getting I won't paid tell already. You. No, I won't tell you why. So, but my question is, like, do you think this dude, Troy LaFerrara, like, he was feeling the pain all this time of the 20... Uh, stabs like that's stabbing? your question yeah I'm curious like because I know I think I've read that at some point the body enters like some sort of a shock yeah. and you don't feel anymore but I just wonder like he thought he's meeting a nice girl for a nice time and then he ended up being strangled and stabbed 20 times in a to answer your question yes the adrenaline uh, rises and you enter in a state of shock but my question is, why is this your question? I mean, how is... It's my question. <laughs> it's concerning. <laughs> no. if, I live, if we live together, it's concerning. <laughs> no, but I mean, like, because it's scary, you know? Like, imagine, like, you want to meet up with somebody over, I don't know, 
because you want to buy, I don't know, a toaster. This, I don't know, the first thing that came to my mind. And then this happens to you. It's like terrifying to think of it. Like all this time he was like, it's horror, right? Like you were strangled by a dude in from the back of the car. And then you have a small girl because she was quite short, like stabbing you like a lunatic. And I wonder like how, if besides the horror of the situation, if he was like also feeling all the pain all this time. It's very disturbing. That's why I'm asking. Yeah, I mean, for me, the disturbing part is, is what is happening. I, I the story even, itself. Yeah, I, the reason why yeah. they are killing. If I, I won't tell you. We'll, I won't tell you. Yeah, but <laughs> if they are getting paid already, for me, it makes no sense, but I guess there's a reason behind it. If, if so that's my that's reason, that's I'll my question. You. That's my question. We're getting there. Yeah, but that's my question. Not if he was feeling pain because obviously he was feeling pain. I'm aware, but I was thinking like the whole time because it's already a, a horrible situation for him. Like it's a horror movie, right? And then also besides what you see and how you feel and what you think, you also deal with that amount of pain the whole time. That was my question because I think it's terrifying. Yeah, it has to be. So, you know. Um, moving on. The body of Troy was found the next day on November 12, 2013, in a residential backyard in Sunbury. We know from the police that after Miranda and Eli dumped the victim's body, they went and bought bleach, wipes, towels, and cleaning liquid to remove the blood stains from the vehicle. And after, I kid you not, they went to a diner, but others say they went to a strip club because they were also celebrating the birthday of her husband. Like, okay, we did it. Let's celebrate. What? And also, wait, uh, I remember they were saying that it was also the two years, and not two years, it was the anniversary of her parents' divorce as well. So like, so she was celebrating Basically, her husband, her parents' divorce, and the kid. I'm not sure because I read it on on one website, but I don't think I even credited it because I it was basically the same as the others. But this information was the only thing different. Basically, saying that they were celebrating also the divorce of her parents, the birthday of her husband, and also the anniversary of their wedding. All the same day. Yeah. I mean, season. Yeah. Wow. No, I mean, it can't be the same anniversary of everything, same I date. Know. I don't know. Anyway, so Eli also added that they only killed the 42-year-old engineer because they simply wanted to murder someone together. Bum, bum. That's the reason. But wait. That's so romantic. Yeah. They were basically marking their three weeks wedding anniversary and that's all. That's the reason. I mean, so this is the legit one, like I found from police sources. And then his like birthday was just a bonus. So you're telling me that there's people out there yeah. in the U.S. who celebrate their anniversary killing others. I don't think it's only in the U.S., to be honest, because I did hear a case in the U.K. as well. And it was another thing in Europe. Like, you know what troubles me? It's very popular, actually. What troubles me is that this is not an old story. It's like only 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. And I was very alive <laughs> in 2013. But you weren't in Alaska. Oh, lucky me. Or Pennsylvania. Yeah. Yeah. What, why? Do you think you would have answered to the companionship ad on Craigslist? No. <laughs> but wait, there's more about that. But let's talk about how they were caught. So at first, obviously, they denied even knowing or seeing the man. Like they pretended they had no clue whatsoever what happened with him or who he was. But the police was able to connect them with the case because they went into the records and traced the last call from his phone to Miranda's phone. Mm -hmm. So from the victim's phone to Super Miranda's phone. But wait, why, why is she super? I will tell you, dissertations. So later on, the couple changes the story and they try to say it was self-defense. According to Miranda, it was just because he was a bad guy, right? So I'm going to read this part from Murderpedia. Mm -hmm. 
She said La Ferrara groped her and she took a knife from between the front seats and stabbed him after he put his hand around her throat, according to the affidavit, right? So in one article, I read that she said to La Ferrara that she was underage, that she was 16, which was a lie, but the man didn't care and proceeded to make moves towards her, a fact that she didn't like, and because of that, she went on killing him. But obviously, that's a lie, because as she was giving the story, the husband went ahead and said that, no, we just wanted to kill someone together. That man, <laughs> I mean... <laughs> but also, uh, he was hiding. Yeah, like why it's just it doesn't make any sense like you meet for discussion but the husband is underneath the blanket like yeah anyway she also said that la ferrara was still alive and choking and gasping for air as she and her husband tried to find somewhere to dump his body after stabbing him 20 times but this is obviously when she realized there's no going back because he like comes straightforward with everything so she says this only when she realized mm -hmm. that Everything was lost. Yeah. So once the cards were on the table, she goes full crazy mode with her story, like to a new extent. But hear me out, actually. No, I'll keep it for later. So she claims that two other men were supposed to meet with her, but they were they never showed up. So there were two others that were supposed to come instead of this dude in different okay, like different days, different occasions, right? So for the ad, for the same ad, but they never came. Imagine, imagine you, as you said, you're you're buying something market, and you change your mind last minute. And I did it, it so many times. It turns out you were going to be murdered. Yeah. But you you'll never know. You'll never know. But I think yeah, you'll never know. You'll yeah. never know. Yeah. Hmm. That's something to think about. Yeah. So La Ferrara might still be alive, thinking that like if the others were to show up, he might be still alive, right? That's what we understand. Yeah. You know. Moving on, in her second interview she gives from jail, she states that she knew that they were going to do this since the day they met, her and her husband. Quote, and we tried, but the others just didn't show up. So that was... So she tried more than three times. No, she's at this point, she's just saying she tried with two other people, no. right? But they didn't show up. Do you understand? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So just Troy was the victim. In her first jailhouse interview on the 14th of February, also Valentine's Day, uh, she claimed that, in fact, she murdered at least 22 others over a period of six years. Keep in mind, she's 19. She's been busy. Wow. But wait. She basically said it happened in different locations, cities, and that the murder spree was motivated by her satanic beliefs. So at this point, she really wants people to believe she's a satanist. But that's the thing. I don't understand why. Like criminals, murderers, they want to prove their Satanism by killing, you know. There must be more into that than that. And somehow they all end up choosing murder. So I, I'm guessing she's one of those people who want fame for murdering people because, because there are fanatics like that, you know. She was also stating that she was ready, prepared to show the authorities where the bodies were hidden. You know, like she was invested mm -hmm. in this. She asked that the police is looking for full bodies when in fact, according to her, they should be looking for body parts. So now she claims she dismembered the bodies of the other victims. Like again, at least 22, less than 100. And this is something like I find weird. She's, so she, she wanted to show off. That's what yeah, she wanted that, to do. That's what I understand too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So the police, on the other hand, uh, stated that they were taking the case seriously. They were legit trying to find the bodies and believed her, like took her statement for granted. But there were no cases in the areas she was talking about of missing people or anything like that. So basically she was saying, yes, I killed this amount of people here and there, but there were no missing people to begin with. But did she give names? Never said. I I couldn't find that. Mm. I don't think she did, though. Maybe she was bluffing. Maybe. But she was, I think, I won't tell. Just let, let's wait for the dad's uh, interview. 
So Miranda in exchange claimed that she dumped body parts in Big Lake, Alaska, and also Mexico Beach, where she used to work as a 15-year-old go-go dancer. She also claimed she dumped a body around North Carolina, so like where her mom is, I guess. She goes on explaining that when she was killing, she was in fact adopting an alter ego, naming herself Super Miranda. Ah, so uh-huh. so I mean, come on. Super Miranda killing like 22 people at least less than a hundred. It's all just like a blur. As I told you from like earlier on, like it's all just back and forth and a blur. So it's an ego. Yes, the alter thing. ego, Super Miranda. No, but uh, but I mean uh, that she wanted to show off. She's proving something with her acts and what she yeah, says. Yeah, but, but, but wait, because she gets even more intense with this. She has that she had a favorite knife which she was using for the killings, and that the knife had notches on, one for each of her victims. Like, in inside like this, you know? Yeah. Marks for each victim. Then, the news started associating her with a fictitious serial killer, Dexter, because same as the character, she was killing only bad people. She gives examples of what she considers bad, so child abuse, okay, we understand because she's been through that and even if she wasn't it's still something very bad right and people that owe money i mean you know so it makes sense she's trying to punish people if you are to believe her because we're not done then she claims that it was her satanism that controlled her murderous rages like basically satan made me do it kind of a idea so she had like Two, two, she was playing two parts, like the part of Robin Hood trying to punish Dexter, the bad people yeah, yeah. and the bl- also blaming Satanism. Yeah, but she's not saying it as if, oh my God, blame Satan, blame Satanism. She's yeah, saying she's it saying, as, this happened. Like, yeah, Satan, but she's saying Satanism made me do it. But later on, you understand that we are completely far from what she was thinking. Because she's actually very proud. So, okay. According to TMZ, an ex-roommate of Miranda's said that she was in fact keeping jars of semen from her husband that she was using in her satanic rituals. Yeah. That's I, disturbing. Let, that, let it sink in. <laughs> jars. The backstory of this satanic madness, according to her, started when she was 13 years old. Apparently, that's when she joined the cult. And she was supervised by this cult leader. She joined this cult in her hometown of North Pole. The husband, this Elite dude, goes on by saying that the escort thing on her part was a regular thing in that she was charging between $50 to $8.50. And also... The men were met on various websites, so not just Craigslist, as I said. He once again asked that he did not have a problem with it because there was no sexual contact, right? Quote from Elite, what she does is meet men who have broken marriages or have no one in their lives, and she meets with them and has a delightful conversation. So, as the news on the case broke, everyone was wondering, like, is it possible for a 19 years old to have killed between 22 and 100 people and that she started the, you know, the murdering spree at the age of 13? So they obviously wanted to know if she was saying all those things for attention or if it was an attempt to escape the death penalty. She claimed that her satanic master, again, the forest guy, was in fact the one that introduced her to murdering people by killing a man down an alley in Alaska and that he was killed with a gun by this forest dude. The the dude at the time, the person was killed with a gun by this forest dude. Quote, Then he said to me that it was my turn to shoot him. I hate guns. I don't use guns. I couldn't do it. So he came behind me and he took his hands and put them on top of mine and we pulled the trigger. And then... From there, I just continued to kill. So that was basically the the, the starting point for mm-hmm. her, this murdering spree. 
Police back in Alaska stated that there was no such case. So it either never happened or they hid everything and took care of the situation very well. Yet, I mean, someone, you know, on the on the victim's side would have searched for him and informed the police if he was missing, right? Yeah. Nobody, nothing. From that moment onward, she claims she developed a taste for killing and went on killing people from like a stretched, stretched area, like Alaska to Texas, North Carolina and California. Her dad, this is interesting, her dad comes forward saying that he can't rule out um, like 100% the possibility that she was in fact involved in the first killing she mentioned, but he completely rules out the possibility of her being a serial killer. What do you think about that? I think uh, she's just pretending. You're convinced? You're I sure? mean, everything everything sounds like she's... I mean, it's clear she's troubled yeah. because of the abuse she, she suffered. Yeah. But because of that and the uh, drug addiction abuse... And because of how her life developed, I think she's just... Troubled. She's just making things up. Yeah. Well, the dad, he says that um, she was only once in California and only a few times in Texas. And that on all of the occasions, she was never out of his sight. He adds that he is inclined to believe she was involved in the first killing only because when she was 13... She ran away from home twice, and on both occasions, she was away from, from home, basically, for more than 48 hours. And once she started with the drugs, he said their house was basically on a lockdown, and she wouldn't have had like the, the, the chance to do any of the things she was claiming. So I also found a few things uh, from the dad about her. Uh, so he says that through the, he was certain that through the investigation, uh, they will likely demonstrate that this cold story is fiction. He says that Miranda lives in a fantasy world made up in her own mind and that she craves attention. He says, believe very little of what Miranda says. She has a long history of extreme manipulation and dishonesty. And basically, he says to never trust her, nothing from nothing she says. So she is not to be trusted. Well, it makes sense because usually um, when there's drug abuse, People don't... And the trauma. Let's not, not forget about the trauma. Like yeah, the starting that, point. That on top of everything. Yeah. This theory, so what the dad said, is also backed up by a family friend that stated, quote, I do not believe for a second that she is a serial killer. She was troubled and she did have issues, but that is it. Anything else is her just looking for attention. So, you know, people do like the ones close to her stick to the to the story from the dad. So everything is fiction. So yeah. she just killed that one man with the husband and that's all there that there is, you know. So we also know from Murderpedia that Anthony Rossini, the district attorney of North Northumberland, Northumberland, I guess, I don't know, county, where she's being held, said, quote, as of this date, there has been no verification of any of the information that has been the subject of media coverage regarding prior acts of the defendant, Miranda Barber. Well, it seems that the police proved everything to be false, and they came to the conclusion that she was just a troubled and very disturbed teenager. They looked into her past, and they learned about the abuse she suffered when she was no more than a baby. They learned about the satanic cult story, with men supposedly like being uh, twice her age. Then it was a drug addiction, followed by her parents' divorce and also being locked up in several mental institutions. So yeah, Miranda was deeply troubled and clearly the system was unable to help her, right? It's like if you put like drug, the bottom line is that. Yeah, she has many layers of problems, not all of them her fault. Yeah. I mean... No, I mean, it's the, just the uncle started everything. Yes, so, yes, yes. You know, yeah. So even though it seems to be a fantasy, the serial killer part, she kept the story. So she even, like, with the conclusion of the authorities, she did not change her story. She claimed, quote, I would lure these people in, she said. I studied them. I learned them and even became their friend. 
I did this to people who did bad things and didn't deserve to be here anymore. So to me, it seems that she was like aiming to get people to perceive her as some sort of vigilante, right? Yeah. Like, as you said, like Robin Hood. Uh, we have the Dexter comparison, like her constant claims that she was targeting only bad people. Or the other version that she was just trying to get away from the death penalty, basically. But at this point, I think I will stick with the vigilante fantasy work. But, but how would she get away of the death penalty if she's claiming she murdered so many people? I mean, it can be considered, I don't know, but there Because are chances. Because, for example, maybe they won't kill her if she has like information on this on that, and that. Or maybe she just plays the sick, mentally unstable yeah. card and, you know, yeah, that's they can't kill her if she's unstable. And she's clearly unstable. I mean, I think that's the actual reason why she's now in jail and not dead. She's still alive. Yeah. Where is she? It's the jail in that area, Pennsylvania, somewhere there. Oh. I'm bad with names, like with the states and all that, so... She was also asked in an interview how is she expecting people to believe her to be a serial killer, to which she replied, looks, she said, can be deceiving. So she was judging by how people were looking. No, she was referring like how people were gonna believe her to be a serial killer. And because she's so short and tiny and all that, how can you be a serial killer? And she said, looks can be deceiving. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I understand that. Yeah. And also, when she was asked why she pleaded not guilty, she simply said, I did not want to. So basically, she, she, she didn't want to plead not guilty. And then she says that when the judge asked her to how she pleads, right, she was ready to say guilty, but her attorney, Chief Public Defender Ed Greco, grabbed the microphone and said not guilty so the attorney did she says did it for her mm. we know that she didn't talk with her husband since the day of the arrest and we also know that quote he is proud of what he did she said i will always love him she claims there are no regrets on her side for what she did in another quote i know i will never see my husband again and i have accepted that I know I wanted to talk about all this because I know I had a 20-year window where I would possibly get out of jail and I don't want that to happen. If I were to be released, I would do this again. By no means is this a way of, to glorify uh, what I did or get attention. I'm telling you because it is true. Well, I think it's... A way to get attention. She just she's saying she wants to stay in jail. Yeah, but why would you say that? I don't know. I Who don't would know. say say that? I mean, maybe she just like gave up on life, you know, and she just doesn't care. She just wants to exist from one day to another. I know from Reddit for a fact that in fact she's doing well because she. I saw a letter she sent from prison to somebody because you know there are people who like. Um, messaging like sending letters to killers and all that they're curious maybe i don't know different reason different reasons but she's well she is well like she enjoys her prison life there you know so yeah uh and also about her daughter i was just going to ask what yeah, happened with yeah. the daughter yeah uh she's called aria And all I found, like, was that Miranda's family was fighting over custody and that Arya was kept in the system while that was being, like, sorted out. That's all I found. So I don't know now, but she had a trouble start. I mean, you know, a convicted mom, no clue of who the dad is. At least, well, yeah, I guess at least she, she, she has people there for her, like, caring enough to, to fight for her, to take mm -hmm. her in custody. But, yeah, what do you think of the story? Oh, well, <laughs> it's hard to, to, to sum it up, but um, I, I wasn't expecting something like that. Yeah. Like, I thought it was a um, kid's abuse story when you started. Yeah, And That's that was just the intro. 
because yeah. it's, it's the story lot. is too problematic. Yeah, it's a lot and to process. Yes, and I also think that uh, it's like a snowball effect yeah. that everything originated because of the uncle who was abusing yeah. I, I think too. I, I think the saying like he is to be blamed for everything. You can't just obviously the uncle didn't make her like take her hand with a knife and make her stab that Troy LaFerrara dude, but he is the cause. Like because she has yeah. a sister Ashley and she is fine. Like was she abused as well? I don't think so. No. So it's that's why you can just. Mm pinpoint yeah. that everything happened because of the uncle yeah that's it breaks it down obvious. especially like as a baby imagine what she had to 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 see and you have to deal with that the rest of your life yeah and the way you cope with it 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 depends on each person you know yeah it's different yeah yeah so yeah it's very sad it's very a sad, sad. sad story there's also a documentary from 2018 that I didn't get to watch. Maybe we can do that together. That looks into the case. So yeah, I don't know. Why not? I don't know. It's too too sad. As it I is said. very sad. It is. A it very makes sad me story. sad. Yeah, I told you in the beginning. It's like it might give you nightmares, but not in the sense of nightmares, but like nightmares in real life like you have to doubt everything yeah you know, i think these kind of stories yeah. are worse than than fiction because yeah they are real yeah i know i know and makes you think maybe your your neighbor is like that yeah like the uncle you never know yeah. you never know maybe you have an uncle in the family that is yeah. like that but you never got to find out exactly. or maybe you have Jesus Christ, maybe you have like experienced something like this, but you have repressed memories like you can't remember because of the shock. Because that, that happens too. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. I don't <laughs> want to open that box in my brain. Pandora I don't know. Box. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, yeah. that's... Yeah, it's a sad story indeed. Uh, I mean, I'm sad. I, I'm sad about the outcome because... It would have been nice to know that despite the the trauma she experienced and all that, she got to recover and managed to, to live a normal life. And Yeah, know. but it's also a grounded story because not all stories are fairy tales. And if somebody does something like that to you, then you're you're messed up for the rest of your life. And it's not like fairy tales and like movies tell you that... Yeah things will go well they that's real life yeah yeah i that, understand that makes it even more sad yeah true horror true yeah. crime true horror yeah well that being said this is our first episode from the creepy cat show and we spoke about miranda super miranda next week on the other hand we'll have a paranormal case and I'm quite excited to share it with you. It's very interesting to to hear these true crime or paranormal stories. Yeah. Um, you learn about your do, surroundings and the possibilities. I guess, yeah. Of what might go wrong with your life. I guess. You never know. Yeah. Well, I hope you enjoyed our first episode. And please give us a follow on Instagram, Twitter and Facebook. We're getting our accounts up and running. We're already on Instagram. Uh, look for the Creepy Cat Show. And listen to us next week. Take care. Yeah, see you next week.